0: Hello, humans. This is a conversation rescued from the archive, and a huge thank you to everyone who helped make this episode possible Misty for introducing me to and booking our amazing guests, our patrons, you guys watching right now, for sticking by me while I was recovering, and my friends and family who helped me on the road to getting healthy again. You may have noticed there are a disproportionate amount of guests on this show that, because of a physical difference, have been forced into a divergent human experience. And it may not make sense on its face. How can someone who cannot hear, like Richard Pimentel or Jen Passeloff, teach us how to listen? How can someone with a medically damaged jaw, like David Roach, teach us how to use our voice? Or how can someone missing arms and legs, like B.J. Miller or our guest today, Chris Cook, teach us how to move through the world? I don't seek these people out for exhibition purposes. They aren't exciting oddities, and this isn't even a feel-good PSA about how to look at or treat differently-abled people, although that would be a nice byproduct if you treated differently-abled people with more compassion. It's because by nature of their difference, they have a different perspective, and a shift in perspective can change your life. I know this firsthand. A fresh pair of eyes can help see a project from a new angle. Speaking of angles and perspective... Imagine if every object in your life were twice as big. Imagine if you had to rock climb every morning to get a bowl of cereal, or trek miles to your local coffee shop. Well, today's guest was born with no arms and legs. Because the world wasn't built for humans without legs, navigating through life takes a little more effort and a little more intention. I'm drawn to Chris because he's a practical teacher. There's no theoretical knowledge in these types of conversations. Chris can't bullshit his way into making the world a rewarding adventure. Chris Cook has to approach every day with an amazing attitude, with adventurous heart, because every day traveling from city to city truly is an adventure. So to help you along your own life adventure, here is my conversation with Chris Cook, which I've called Adventure. You ready? I'm ready. Hey, Thanks for coming on the program. Thanks for having us and inviting us into your hotel room. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. I like to start every conversation this way, and this can be as big or as small of a question as you'd like, but Chris, who
1: are you? Who am I? My birth certificate says I'm Chris Cook, and I guess the most unique thing about me to see me is that I was born missing arms and legs, and even though I was born missing arms and legs, it hasn't held me back from from doing anything really. And a lot of that is because of my parents and how they raised me. I was never their son who's missing arms and legs or their disabled son or handicapped son or whatever. I was just Chris. And the community I grew up in in Nanton, Southern Alberta was the same way. I, Yeah, my parents, the community, the rest of my family, if it wasn't for how they approached it, yeah, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. I'd love to start about your upbringing. A lot of us
0: still hang on to stuff that happened in our childhood, the first time you realize you're not the most good looking person in the world, right?
1: (laughs) I came to Uh, that realization very early
0: on. (laughs) But there's all these moments in your childhood, your first heartbreak that are really influential that you end up taking with you into your adulthood. And so I'm curious if you could take us a bit into your influential moments, especially because they are all slightly different because you do have no arms or legs. Right.
1: Yeah, I guess. Probably the most pinnacle moment of my life was way before I even have any memories, but the day I was born, my mom and dad, sorry, my grandma and grandpa weren't able to get to Lethbridge to the hospital where I was born you know, on time. So they were back in British Columbia, uh, but my uncle was there and he phoned my grandma and grandpa to let them know that my mom and dad had a baby boy, healthy But I was missing arms and legs. And my grandma's reaction, she didn't miss a beat. She goes, Well, Bruce, my dad, never did finish anything he started. And that was that was perfect. Her reaction wasn't, Oh my goodness, how tragic. What are we gonna do? This is horrible. Her reaction was, All right, it is what it is, everything's gonna be fine. We'll figure this out. We're gonna have some good laughs along the way. And that's humor has been a very big part of my life. I love laughing, I love making people laugh. And my situation, I've always said, if you can't laugh at life, what can you laugh at? So sometimes things are happening. There's a frustrating day and, you know, it would be potentially made easier if I did have arms and legs, but I don't. So you just kind of laugh it off. Then all of a sudden life doesn't seem quite as frustrating or serious. When people first meet me, they're not too sure how to react. They don't want to say anything inappropriate or wrong or hurtful or whatever. So if I can crack a few jokes and and let them know that I'm just a regular dude enjoying life, having fun, Put them at ease. So just, I mean, there's cheesy dad jokes for days, but one of my favorites is when I'm flying, uh, a lot of times they'll ask me if I'd uh, like a, cl- a seat close to the front of the plane, you know, so it's easier to get on and off. I'm like, honestly, I don't care. As long as there's lots of leg room, I'm happy. And you see <laughs> that like deadpan, serious face, and then you see that panic in their eyes, like serious. And then, you know, flash a little wink or a smile. And my story has been far from triumph over tragedy. There's been difficult days and challenging days for sure that's inevitable that's anybody but for the most part it's been a lot of fun a lot of laughs when did you first realize that you were different i don't really have a moment that i can remember where i looked in the mirror or whatever and be like oh yeah no i'm not like everybody else i mean it's pretty obvious that i'm different people see it all the time so i've i've been used to the stares the questions the reactions since day one. So I guess there's never, was never really a realization that I was different per se, but always a knowledge that I am different. And I think probably the biggest thing, like I said earlier, is the fact that my mom and dad and my, the community that I grew up in didn't refer to me as that, you know, handicap boy or the kid without arms and legs, that was just one of those things for myself was like, yeah, I'm just, I'm just Chris. For me. I think it was when I started transitioning into
0: puberty, yeah. right? Like when I went from like, the transition from a nine-year-old to a 12-year-old is drastic. Yeah, the, My nine-year-old self was not really worried about how I looked or how other people perceived me. Yeah. And then as I started coming into puberty, and I think there was some just like extra level of competition, maybe it was sexual competition or whatever it is that starts to happen when you're changing, there was like this magnification of insecurities that I didn't even know that were there. Yeah, That's something that is just part of the human condition, right? Is navigating our insecurities and our fears, our fears of being different, which I think I'm not an expert, but I think have to come from just a survival instinct, right? Like, oh, well, if we're different, are we going to survive? Right. Yeah. Your insecurities are like out in the open, you know, or not your insecurities, but like the things that your challenges are visible. Right. Like say my big challenges are like my mental health which not a lot of people can see that that's, I could be really struggling yeah. to get out of bed. When you're, when you're a kid and you're starting to do that comparing and you're starting to really judge, what was your journey into, I guess, accepting the reality that this is, this is who you are and who you always will be?
1: Yeah, so I guess a couple things I'll say to that. One is I remember in uh, seventh grade, grade seven, college in Canada, that's when I started wearing prosthetics or artificial legs all the time. And I, I guess I was, I was conscious of, of how I looked and I, and I, I guess I sort of wanted to look a little bit more like everybody else, but it was more of, I was tired of being so low to the ground and, you know, being in a, a group of people and, and having to, to look up when everybody else was talking. So, but my legs weren't full length. I was like four and a half feet tall, roughly when I wore my prosthetics and I wore them every day until probably about eight or nine years ago when I was down in Florida taking a course and I I grabbed a longboard just for fun. I used to wear, ride a skateboard around in the hallways at school to get from class to class. And so I just grabbed a board for fun, cruise up and down the boardwalk along the beach. I was down in Florida taking this course. And the very first day on the board, after like 10, 15 minutes of cruising along on the board, I stopped to take a bit of a rest, look back, and saw how much distance i just covered. And I was able to get farther, faster, way more efficiently on the board than I ever could on my legs. I'd have to take 10 or 15 minutes to put the legs on in the morning. The legs weren't uncomfortable, but they weren't overly comfortable either. And then also the reaction I get from people on the board now, as opposed to when I was walking on my prosag legs, is I think there's this appreciation of, yeah, this dude is comfortable on his own skin. Like, this is me, take it or leave it. So you get a lot of you know fist bumps you know, high fives, you know, thumbs up, cruising along on the board. And it's, I mean, it's, it's a badass way to get around too. I mean, everybody has legs not everybody without an arm without arms and legs are cruising around on a longboard. But back to like grade seven, when I was starting to, you know, be more aware of, of who I am and, and you know, more aware of how other people perceive me. Yeah. There was that want to to look a little bit more like everybody else and yeah but i I guess i've never really been overly self-conscious of of how i of how i look and my worst days my most difficult days my most challenging days aren't the fact that i'm missing arms and like when people see me that's the general assumption oh it must be tough to do this or it must be tough doing that or life must have been a challenge and it's only when i let the six inches between the ears get in the way. That's my most challenging days. The tough mental health days. I might want to blame it on the fact that I'm missing arms and legs. Cause that's, I think when we're having a bad day, we want to point the finger. We want to lay blame on something else. So oftentimes we'll pick an easy scapegoat. Uh, For me, it's really easy to say, you know, if I had arms and legs, life would just be a hell of a lot easier. If I had arms and legs, I wouldn't have to work 400% harder than everybody else, you know, to do day-to-day tasks. But when I do fall into that trap, I'm wasting time and energy on something that I can't change. I don't have arms and legs. I'm never going to have arms and legs. So why, why worry about that when I can concentrate on the, on the positives? So, you know, when I wake up in the morning and it's 10 below outside and there's like a couple inches of fresh snow, my trip from my house to the grocery store is typically, you know, on a clean, clear day like this, five minutes, snow on the ground, 20 below, It's probably 25, 30 minutes, a lot more energy. And it's really easy to look outside and be like, screw this. I'm going back to bed. I don't want to deal with this. But life doesn't stop. Life doesn't wait for you. Life continues. And I've found that if I get out and get moving, people actually respond to to seeing me trudging through the snow. and. They're like, Oh, that's awesome. Like you so brave. You're so inspirational. You, you really changed my day. And I never know what to say to people when they say that it's pretty cool. But, and then all of a sudden the energy of people and the appreciation of how much energy and effort it takes for me to, to navigate a day like that, it, it all of a sudden makes it w- all worthwhile for, for actually just getting out of the bed, getting out of bed and, and, and living and
0: doing. What are what you consider, if it's not the arms and legs, what are the challenges that you, that you work through in everyday life that we all have, but what are yours?
1: I mean, uh, you're, you always wonder, you know, am I, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Yeah. And I, I am, I am, I, you know, I worked, I'm, I still help out on the farm and I absolutely love it. You know, I've worked for, for an airline in Canada called WestJet and I absolutely loved it. And, you know, I worked at a museum and I've, I've done all kinds of jobs, but Traveling around and as a motivational speaker and, and sharing my message and, and hopefully making a, a positive impact on people is amazing. But you always, you know, am I am I actually doing what I'm meant to be doing, you know, things like well, I guess, you know, I'm on the road a solid two hundred days of the year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's that's tough to have a relationship when you're on the road so much, so it get it gets lonely sometimes. Honestly, my least favorite place to be is where we're at right now in a hotel room. They are some of the most lonely places in the world. So yeah, there's those days that like, geez, maybe maybe I should be slowing it down and 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 maybe concentrating more on relationship. But I love what I'm doing. So it's you just trust that you know, keep doing what you're doing, and and that perfect somebody will will come along. So yeah, those are those are more challenging days or just waking up in the morning and you're just not feeling it and you don't know why and you know just allow yourself to to sit in that for a little bit but don't sit in it for too long and and just kind of dig your way out and that's another reason why I love doing these presentations and at first I thought it was you know positive positive positive, positive. make them happy make them smile make them laugh but not every day is is perfect there's a lot of people out there who they want to know how do you get from feeling absolutely crappy, thinking that you're the you know shittiest person in the world to being a happy go lucky fun loving guy you know some people that's all they ever feel is is low and and down and out, so you know to to be transparent and 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 open and honest and be like, yeah, no it sometimes this just sucks, but it doesn't suck permanently,
0: yeah. Yeah, it's like happiness and sadness are are both really temporary and there's a huge scale to it all. I think recently I've been thinking about how there's almost this desire to present everything in this really oversimplified, like lobotomized version of happiness, you know, where it's just like, oh, I'm just happy all the time, you know, and you, you see it on social media or you see it even in yourself, like when I know when people who ask me, you know, like, How are you doing? Like, I just want to say like, oh, I'm good. I'm mostly good. One of the reasons I don't want to have a long conversation often, you know, about what's going wrong. Yeah. But also because like you couldn't just say like, I'm doing terrible and then walk off. They'd want to know why, you know, like, (laughs) uh, where like, you know, really it should just be totally normal without that need to, to fix people, you know, for sure. Just like you're saying, I'm not trying to fix your, your unhappiness. I'm not trying to make you. Happy. I'm trying to show you the, how I do it.
1: No, and that's a that's a funny thing about social media is, and I I battle with this. You know, I I post positive things, I post happy things, I post things that make people laugh. But yeah, I sometimes I I think you know maybe you should be realistic and transparent and and post when you're having a bad day. But I don't I don't want to post having a bad day and it come across as I want the attention or I want. I want help or I, you know, I don't want, or I want sympathy or whatever. And so it's, yeah, like you're saying, you know, somebody says, how are you doing today? Or, Actually, I'm terrible. And then you just walk away and keep going. You, you can't really do that. So I think you hope that people realize that, yeah, on, on the outside, on the outset, it might look like life is perfect, but it's not always perfect. And I guess you just leave that for people to assume because nobody's perfect, you know, and, you know, you watch somebody's perfect life and you know damn well that, you know, under there, there's, there's, there's flaws, there's imperfections, there's, there's all of that. But as long as your good days outnumber the bad, then I think you're ahead in life.
0: Yeah. As a motivational speaker, your job is to craft a message and something that you want to impart on people. So I heard a great talk of yours about with the if I can. Yeah. It's probably a central theme of your message. Yeah. Can you talk about the things that you feel you've gathered that are most important for you to to share, that you want to share? Get out, be out of town for two hundred days out of the year to share. What are these the things that are most important to you?
1: Yeah. So the I mean, if I can, if a guy with arms and legs can work on the farm or travel the world or just live a happy perfectly independent life, you know, if I can do those things, anybody's capable of pretty much anything. And it has nothing to do with limbs. It has nothing to do with physical ability, but everything to do with that six inches of space between the ears. And you know, I guess I, I'd mentioned earlier that humor is a big part of my life and it's a big part of my presentation. And especially too, when you're, when you're speaking to a group of middle schoolers, junior high, high school, and you could see them know, walking into the gymnasium or the auditorium or whatever. And like, oh, great. This motivational speaker is going to talk about all the challenges he's had to face in life and all these things that have happened, but he's, you know, maintained a positive, I can do attitude attitude and, and we can do the same thing. Yeah. That is the message that I want to get across to them, but you break through to them with the humor and you, you kind of see them drop that guard and then you deliver that message. After you've relaxed them and realized that this isn't going to be a serious, sad, poor me presentation, this is going to be a fun presentation and, and encouraging them to, to laugh at life and not take life so seriously. And I, I guess that one of the biggest things is you get out of life what you put into it. If I have a sad, lonely, miserable existence of life and I'm bitter and mad at the world because I was born missing arms and legs that's my fault. That's on me. There's going to be events and experiences and things that happen in life that you have absolutely no control over. And that's unfortunate, but it is what it is. How you choose to react to those events, that is what makes the difference between, or that is the deciding factor on whether or not you have a a successful, happy life or an unsuccessful, miserable life. So, yeah. And that's when I think when you look at it that way, all of a sudden feels like you have a lot more control over life there's a flow chart that i saw at an elementary school and basically you know one direction it goes are you happy yes do you want to be happy yes then keep doing what you're doing because obviously something's working the other direction are you happy no do you want to be happy yes then make a change and that that accountability and that onus rests solely on on your shoulders and when you get into the finger pointing game saying it's always somebody else's fault. I'm always a victim of circumstance. Yeah. You're just going to stay in that cycle forever and you're not going to be able to break out of it. And I guess that's probably, you know, why I, I don't know why I was born like this. And I guess if it's something that could have been prevented or can be prevented in the future, sure. It'd be nice to know, but at this point, I really don't care. I was born like this and I think it would probably put more guilt on, on my mom or my dad, if there was something that it could be traced back to. I, you know, when I was born, they wondered if maybe there were, you know, chemicals on the farm that my mom was exposed to, or, you know, maybe there was something in the water and, and I'm sure they were worried that it was going to be like this, you know, outbreak of kids being born without limbs in 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 western canada or in the area where i'm from you know thalidomide was a morning sickness pill back in the 60s that was before my time and i've been asked a lot if it was that and and i think yeah the why doesn't really matter it is what it is and you know mentally you just you accept it and you move beyond that instead of getting stuck in the trap of it happened and and this sucks and why me and 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 all that kind of stuff you're really
0: clear that your upbringing was And you're so, like, well-adjusted, I I would like – are your parents still with us?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. My dad or actually, my mom works with the same airline that I used to work with, and she was down in Vegas visiting with some girlfriends. So, yeah, I caught up with them and had lunch with them in Vegas. And my dad – you know, my parents aren't together, but I'm still close with both my mom and dad. And, you know, there was was tension at times, like any – any kid with their parents, but you know, the positives outweighed the the negatives for sure. Just like anything in life that you strive for. And yeah, I mean, it wouldn't have been easy raising a kid without arms and legs. I mean, there's certain things that I just physically can't do, but one of the biggest things, and this, I, I talked when I do presentations for for corporate things and there's parents in the room, probably the best thing that my parents did for me is Less Then I tell this to parents. I mean, the best thing you can do for your kids is less. And you know, the mom and dad said it was tough when I was little to see me struggle and trying to figure something out. They wanted to jump in there. They wanted to help out, but they realized that if they just did everything for me, made everything nice and easy and made sure nothing bad ever happened and made sure that I didn't get hurt, that would have just taught me to be a lazy, whiny little wimp, honestly. So yeah, they let me figure it out and you know, with that, I developed Clever outside the box ways of thinking, problem solving, things like resilience. You know, if they did everything for me, I wouldn't be traveling around the world on my own. You know, in the hotels, where do they put the towels? Usually on a towel rack above the toilet, up high. So yeah, you, you get really good at surveying the room and be like, okay, well, I could pull that chair over or climb up onto the toilet, you know, close the toilet lid, climb up onto the toilet, jump up onto the countertop and and pull the towel, towel down there. So you just, you figure it out. And that's the, the, the human's natural ability to just figure it out is, is incredible. So allowing yourself to or putting yourself into challenging situations, voluntarily taking yourself out of your comfort zone, I think is very important for anybody to do. So when life forces you out of your comfort zone, you're used to rolling with it. You're used to dealing with it. And I think that's one way to, to kind of combat things like anxiety is to keep pushing yourself out of that comfort zone. I mean, it's not the, the complete answer but it's a good start. Just step outside a little bit more each time and eventually, you know, you get far enough out there, you look back and you like, oh, wow, that's how far I've gone. Yeah. Pat yourself on the back. And that's another thing too, is celebrate your wins. I think we're really bad at not celebrating our, our successes and our wins. Don't get too carried away and be too cocky and too, you know, conceited, but you know, don't be afraid to pat yourself on the back and, and celebrate those wins. Keep pushing for more keep raising the bar in life. I, you know, I, I love finding the next challenge, the next, next adventure, whether it be doing marathons or climbing the tallest building in North America or whatever, and, and doing those for charity. Cause again, you skated a marathon. I I've done, I've done nine, sorry, eight marathons on my longboard. I'm doing my ninth next week in Dubai. Wow. Yeah. I, I just, I love pushing myself. I challenging myself and hopefully with me doing that, first of all, it's, it's self-satisfying, you know, the, to be able to, you know, overcome the challenge of, of life and, and then just add more challenges like a marathon and being able to celebrate those wins. I think it's pretty awesome. And, and hopefully people see me doing those things and think, Hey, maybe I should try doing a marathon or maybe I should go out kayaking, or maybe I should hitchhike across Canada. I don't know. (laughs) Just, just find, find challenges and find adventures and go for them. I telling you before we before we started recording, I you know was speaking at an old folks home, and when I was doing that presentation, I I had asked them. I said, "Just curious, how many here, how many of you in this room, look back on life and say I'm really glad I played it safe, or do you look back on life saying oh, I I wish I would have done that, or I wish I would have tried that?" And they all they all nodded like, "Yeah, no, we we have our regrets." And, you know, I don't want to look back on life saying, oh, I wish I would have done this or, oh, I should have tried that. I will look back on life saying, you know what? I went out there, did as many things as I possibly could. Maybe not everything went the way that I had hoped, but at least to put myself out there, at least I tried. And for the times that I did fail, for the times that I did fall down, I came back stronger, better, and wiser because of it. And and I think, you know, yeah, there's scary things out there in life, but it's only as scary as we decide it's going to be. Same as... You know, being born without arms and legs. It's only as bad of a situation as I decided it is. And I think that's pretty much every person in life and every situation you find yourself in. You're the one who's going to decide how crappy or how amazing it is.
0: I, I instantly latched on to when you said like, you know, a lot of people will walk past you and come up with their own conception of like, oh my gosh, how hard that must be. Yeah, You kind of poking fun at Americans because we're so aware of staring that we like try to not stare but then look out of the corner of our eye in one of your conversations yeah when you're interacting with somebody different what is the ways that you you, that you approach it where it's just like to make make it less awkward I guess
1: yeah I guess like the staring you know east the eastern part of the world they they stare and they don't care and I love it because it's honest in western society yeah they try to sneak a sneak a peek and I don't know how many times I've busted people and and then they panic and they just walk away or whatever. <laughs> my biggest thing is approach anything with a smile. And, and I did a post this morning on, on my social media with kids and just how incredible kids are and encouraging parents to encourage their kids and not discourage their kids from asking questions and just having that conversation. Let them ask the 9 million questions they have because I guarantee you every single one of those questions that a kid has. Adults have too, but they're being condition that it's rude or inappropriate. Just have that conversation. Ask all the questions. Obviously, you do it in a polite, considerate manner. And I think most people, if you say, "Hey, do you mind if I ask what happened to your arms and legs?" or "Do you mind if I ask you know, why you're in a wheelchair?" or whatever, they'll be more than happy to to share their story. If they don't, sorry to bother you. Have a great day, and and you continue on. But yeah, I I have absolutely no qualms about sitting sitting down on the on a sidewalk or in a shopping mall or whatever, and just chatting somebody up and and asking all the questions. And I have absolutely no problem taking a couple minutes out of my day if I'm at an airport or a restaurant or whatever, and and answering as many questions as a kid or any adult has. Because, you know, like you had alluded to in the question, you know, a lot of people assume from the outset that life has been challenging, life's been difficult, but it's been amazing. So I, I would rather people ask the questions and I can give them the right answer than to have somebody make an incorrect assumption about what I can or I can't do or what kind of quality of life I've had.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I have a dumb question. Can I ask you a dumb question? I
1: have had, I've heard every dumb question okay. and I love them and maybe you'll shock me and it'll be a question that I've ever heard. Oh no, you've heard it a million times. Okay. All right.
0: Okay. So I was, yeah, I was watching the uh, Google talk and I was watching your system for using the phone because you don't even use Siri. Yeah. Right, you're, you're texting, taking photos, all just with your own unique solution. What's the solution to using utensils?
1: Well, I can maneuver a, a fork or a spoon oh, you can. Just, okay. just as is. But I also have a little a band that goes around my right. The same one you used to write. No, I don't oh. use anything to write. I can hold the pen just as is. Oh, But yeah, this little band just holds a fork or a spoon. Um, and it just makes it a lot cleaner and easier if you're eating something like soup or spaghetti. But I guess cutting food. Like if I have a, a steak or something like that, I'll have to get somebody to cut the steak for me. So I try to remember to ask the server, can you get them to cut it up for me? And like me and little kids are the same. Can't cut our own food.
0: With this short time that we all have here, what are the things that you, before you end up in the old people's home and yeah. before you die, what are the things that you want to have done?
1: How long is this podcast? However I mean, long you uh, need. <laughs> the, the laundry list that I have of things that I want to do, the short version would be, I just want to keep doing what I'm doing and impact as many people as I possibly can by sharing my story or just going out and and doing. And I think, you know, when, when I'm traveling to places like Nepal or Cambodia, China, places where people with disabilities are sort of hidden in the, in the background, they kind of see people with disabilities as maybe a burden to society see them seen in a negative light maybe begging for change on the on the on the street or whatever and they see me you know cruising around on my longboard with a big smile on my face loving life enjoying life i think it changes people's perception and even i mean that kind of stuff does exist in in North America too so i i hope i hope just by me doing what i'm doing with a smile on my face changes people's perception and also changes The way people look at their own life and yeah being able to share my message you know at schools or conferences or whatever it's a lot of fun it is an absolute amazing job to have uh and i love traveling so i've i've been to six of the seven continents antarctica is the only one that i haven't been to i want to be able to say that i've hit every single continent in the world you know i've i've a buddy who's traveled to all 198 countries or however many there is right now, obviously that number fluctuates, I would love to be able to lay that claim. And I, if somebody saw value in me going to a place like Iraq or Syria or Afghanistan or whatever, if they saw value in me going and sharing my message, I would do it in a heartbeat. Yeah, I don't want to do the the safe and easy ones. I want, I want the big challenges in life. So I can look back on life and say, that is the mark that I left on this world. I don't think there could be anything better. What are
0: the the next personal challenges for yourself that are on your list?
1: I'd love to go skydiving. A friend of mine that I met at a presentation that I did in in Chicago, I think. He's hooked me up with a skydive company in just outside of Chicago. And so jumping out of a perfectly good airplane, I think that would be pretty cool. It's amazing. I've got marathon coming up in in dubai on uh friday just to to keep keep doing these presentations i have a bet with a buddy of mine i have to do presentations in 18 different countries before his wedding on june 27th and i think i'm at like 14 or 15 countries right now so to be able to to win that bet would be would be pretty cool i i hitchhiked across canada while i from From Calgary, Alberta, in Western Canada, all the way to St. John's, Newfoundland, to the most easterly point of Canada. Actually, it's the most easterly point of North America. I did that a couple summers ago, and it was so cool. I basically, I called it, you know, going from, going across Canada purely through the kindness of strangers. When I was on the side of the road, I was just boarding along. I had my backpack with me. I wasn't trying to flag down a ride. I didn't have a sign saying where I was trying to get to. I wanted people to genuinely and legitimately out of the kindness of their own heart, offer up assistance. And it was amazing how incredible people were. And it sort of took off on social media. So it went from me, you know, trying to get rides along the side of the road to, I had literally hundreds of messages from people on Facebook and Instagram. Hey, when you get to Toronto, you know, I can, we got a place for you to stay or, you know, we'll get you from Ottawa to wherever you're going next. And it was awesome. And not one single instance in that trip took me 18 days to get all the way across Canada uh, from Calgary to the East Coast. Not one single instance did I ever feel unsafe. Not one single instance did I ever feel like this was a bad idea. Everybody was amazing. And and I think part of that is that you get out of life what you put into it. You have that, yeah, sometimes bad things are going to happen. But you have that positive aura, that happy aura about you, energy about you. People pick up on that. So I would... This upcoming summer, I, I would like to try and do something like that again. It'd Be neat to go from Calgary and head to the West coast and maybe, you know, go all the way down along the Pacific coast to down to LA or something like that. I don't know. I just love crazy challenges like that. Just, and anything that involves people and highlighting just how incredible people are. Cause all we, not all we, all, all we hear about, but oftentimes we only hear about the negative things the bad things that are happening in the world, or we all concentrate more on the negative things than the positive things. And I was speaking at a conference in somewhere in Arizona. It was in, yeah, it was in Mesa, Arizona. And there was a guy presenting the day before I did. And he was talking about how there's a study somewhere. And it basically says that on average, we have 60,000 thoughts per day. And of those 60,000, 80% of them are negative we're hardwired to be negative. So being a positive person is actually pretty impressive and that's hard to do. And I mean, that goes back to when we're hunter gatherers and everything could kill you. So we had to be, we had to have that as a survival mechanism So yeah, to, to be, to be positive as it takes a lot of work and I'm, I'm lucky. I'm inherently positive, but yeah, sometimes, like I said earlier, we're to work a little bit harder at, at, you know, finding the, the happy part of the day or, or just pushing through the negativity or, pushing through the challenging parts and getting to the, the happy upside.
0: What, what are the routines that you, like what's part of your self-care routines to kind of stay in the, the mindset that you want to bring out into the world? And even when you don't feel like optimistic to bring some sense of positivity into the world?
1: Gratitude practices, whether it's, you know, sitting down and actively, consciously running through your mind or writing, journaling or whatever the good things to just start that day off, off happy. But I mean, I have two little nephews and a niece, you know, they are six, five and five, I absolutely love them to death. Try and spend as much time with them as I possibly can. They're starting to travel with me a little bit, which is absolutely amazing. I love it. I have great, great friends and great family and this job to be able to travel around the world and, and share my story and make a positive impact on people, the people that I've met, places that I've been to the adventures that I've got to go on through, through this job. Uh, I don't need to sit down very long and run through the lists and, and put too many things on the list to realize that the fact that I'm missing arms and legs is absolutely moot. It doesn't matter. It's completely secondary to, to the positive things that are happening. And, you know, I go hang out with my brother. My brother's got a twisted, demented sense of humor, just like the rest of my family. <laughs> and yeah, honestly, just going and riding around with him if he's fencing or moving cows or whatever, and just laugh our asses off. You know, there's a kid from my hometown, of uh, Nanton, his name's Jackson. He's 19 years old, going through treatments down in Jacksonville, Florida for, for brain cancer. And, you know, we went, I just happened to be speaking at a conference in Georgia. So I snuck down at Jacksonville and hung out with him. And, you know, he and his dad and I played crib for a little while. And we just told all kinds of inappropriate jokes and laughed our asses off. And, and that just that kind of stuff is, is so important. And you just take that feeling that you had from those moments and and bottle them up and i guess kind of open that bottle when when you're really having a, a tough day and yeah that's basically basically and like i said i'm, I'm lucky very lucky i am inherently a, a positive person and i wake up in a good mood generally but on those days when, when i don't i it's you know sometimes you need to just not be happy for a little bit and sometimes you need to hibernate for a little bit but you know when i do eventually force myself out the door generally you run into somebody that kind of helps improve your day and then you just build on that because that's you, know, you keep build momentum out of the negative or out of the positive and you know if we're inherently negative people it's really easy to to get the momentum going in a negative direction and i try and stop that and do a course correction and get back onto the positive side. Sometimes it isn't easy. Sometimes it's tough to see the forest through the trees. Sometimes the great things all around you, but all you see is shit. And so you, you dig through that and, and, and find the positive. And, and I, like I said, you know, it goes back to the, the gratitude practices and really realizing that, you know, the grass isn't always greener on the other side of the fence. The grass is pretty green right where you sit or right where you stand. It's a, just a matter of getting better at acknowledging and, and realizing that how are you still with your girlfriend no i'm no. single so if anybody's listening you know what if i find? No, i i am uh currently single and like i said that that part is it is challenging i mean i guess you look at the upside to it i can do whatever 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 i want whenever i want but it's also it's nice to to share these experiences with with somebody special in the the book Into the Wild, Chris Crisp and then they did the movie Into the Wild, and and he wrote when he was up in in the magic bus up in Alaska that happiness isn't real unless it's shared, and yeah, it is. It's pretty cool to to go on one of these trips with my nephews or my niece or friends or other family or you know, that special someone, that girlfriend, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. So I trust that it'll happen. And that's those things you you don't force them or else you're going to wind up in a relationship that you don't want to be in. And that's also for me, that's also another thing that I had to realize, you know, rewind back to that, you know, grade seven, Chris, when he started wearing artificial legs, so he could be taller and more like everybody else. I fully recognize that not everybody would be okay or willing to date a guy without arms and legs. So I realized that the, the dating pool that is accessible, that's not the best way, but the dating pool that is out there for me is actually smaller than maybe your average person, but you know, I've, I've dated some incredible, incredible people, it just hasn't worked out to be permanent, you know, marriage, kids and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I I have that realization and I'm okay with that. Maybe it kind of sucks some days, but it is what it is. So I'm not going to get caught up in in, in the negative part of it. I just have to charm them with my twisted sense of humor, I guess. <laughs>
0: I don't know. I'm in a, a period of being single too. And yeah, there is that element of like, oh, well, it, none of this is real because no one else is. Sharing it with me, but at the same time, there is a lesson I feel like to be learned, where you do have to sit back and appreciate things for yourself, and be kind to yourself, and be willing to to be with yourself. Because for me, it's so easy to, almost if I'm not with anyone, it's just like I'm alone, and that's that's true, you know, that I am alone, but in, in the sense, I, I have myself, you know. So that's like the weird thing is right? yeah. you, to find company with yourself is kind of an interest. I've always been trying to date at least the last 10 years. And so to take a break and to, to be single and to try to find refuge with myself is challenging, but interesting. And I think valuable in the long run.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I mean, it, it seems so cliche, you know, how can, how can you love somebody else if you can't love yourself? You know, how, how can, <laughs> how come, how can, how can you be kind to somebody else if you can't be kind to yourself and all those kinds of things, but it's so true. So yeah, it's, I mean, we said earlier yeah it'd be great to be sharing all this with with somebody and i i trust that, that right person is going to come along it might be this afternoon that i meet that person it might be a couple months down the road it'll happen when it's supposed to happen but i'm not going to beat myself up over it and i'm i'm just going to keep doing what i'm doing and and the person that fits uh, the puzzle of my life perfectly it'll it'll fall into place yeah just trust
0: you've been really generous with your time and i like to end the podcast with this prompt if I was to hand you the phone right now and on the other end was uh, a kid who was really struggling, feeling like he didn't fit in or that his challenges were unique or unable to overcome them. What is the message that you would like to leave for him or her just to remind them of what's true, especially what's true to you that you found to be true?
1: I've I've actually had kids come up after presentations and tell me that you know they, they don't want to do it anymore. They don't. They've considered... Taking their lives. I had one individual come up to me after a presentation and this person also had a disability, has a disability, and had a conversation with their parents saying that they wanted to kill themselves. And this person was saying that, you know, life was so shitty, that their disability actually prevented them from being able to commit suicide. That's how helpless and out of control their life felt. Is that they couldn't even take their own life? It's heavy. You come out of a presentation and you know you have this positive impact on people, and then somebody saying that they're wanting to kill themselves—it's like it still, it still gives me chills to, to think about it. But you know, I guess I would rather that person reach out and have that conversation with me than not. And and to you know hear that somebody took their life after I'd done a presentation and I could have helped more. I guess to tell that person, I mean, you could use the cliches, you know, you know, tough times don't last, tough people do. But it it does get better. And it does get better if you want it to get better. And it takes a lot of work, takes a lot of effort, takes a lot of reprogramming, but to to grab on to the positive things in life and hold on to those really, really tight. And one of the things that I've told a lot of people to do is, you know, if, if you're having a tough time finding the positives and trying, you know, trying to find the the things that are the happiness in life, actually do a gratitude journal every single morning for 30 days, every single morning, when you wake up, pick one thing that is good in your life and write for 10 or 15 minutes and just expand on that one thing. And then day two, pick another thing and do the exact same thing and do that for 30 days. And honestly, if you can't find 30 things, I think you're not looking hard enough and deep enough. And then after that 30 days, the next 30 days, each day you read, you know, on day 31, you read what you wrote on day one and you really let that in. And on day 32, you read what you wrote on day two. Then all of a sudden you got 60 days. Of, of positivity. And that's a, that's a hell of a good start. What do they say? It takes 30 days to to break a habit. Again, there's, there may be a lot of other things that are going on, but I think that's a good place to start. I think it's a great place to start. So that's a really long answer to your question, but yeah. And then I guess it, it goes back to the, the whole idea of if I can, it's nothing to do with physical ability. It has nothing to do with limbs. It has everything to do with that six inches of space between the ears. I mean, we're all going through we're all going through stuff. We all have challenges. We all have ups. We all feel like life is kicking us in the face from time to time. You know, Robin Williams had the saying, everyone you meet is fighting a battle you know, nothing about. And like I said, my battle, my challenges, my worst days, aren't the things that you think it would be. And I guarantee you, yours are the exact same thing. So we, we need to be helping one another instead of cutting one another down. And, and yeah, I guess, you know, I've read this a couple times recently, but I you know I'd rather, I'd rather listen. To your problems for five or ten minutes, then listen to your eulogy. There's so many out there, oh so many people out there that are happy to help out, myself included. And you know, don't don't put yourself on an island by yourself and and suffer in silence on your own. You know, reach out and help one another out.
0: Well, thank you so much for your time.
1: Oh, no, thank you very much it's for been a having pleasure me. I really to to appreciate you it. It Absolutely a pleasure. Mine too. Thanks for
0: listening to the How to Human podcast. Remember, if you like this program, if you like me, or if you like the idea of Reese, who hasn't made too many appearances yet, but I will force into at some point so you get to meet this amazing man, I invite you right now to be a part of helping this program. You'll feel amazing about yourself for doing it. So share this episode with friends and family you think might enjoy it. Write us a review on iTunes. It only takes a minute and it lasts forever. If you feel like helping us out the extra mile, you can join our community by going to www.patreon.com and pledging some financial support, watching the podcast as a video, engaging in other community events like book reading and live streams. I hope to see you there. And until next time, have a great day.